Warning, the information on this podcast is meant to be absorbed without distraction or multitasking. In other words, disengage. Thank you for listening. The Dark Liquor Experiments. Something for nothing. Monday. <laughs> yes! Punching the roof of the car, Joe screamed. Yeah, buddy! The sound diced up, then bridged into a coughing fit. The outburst brought a stitch to his side, and at the prick of pain, he laughed. He mashed the pedal on April's silly little RAV4, smiling at the four cylinders, groaning to struggle uphill. Come on, girl. You think you can. You think you can. The little gray box was doing great with having to lift the big man, all the diving equipment, and the two nylon duffel bags filled with money. The morning breeze flowed refreshing over his moist skin. It conspired with the game plan. Play it cool, brother. His insides, however, were jumping up and down like he had just watched a thriller video for the first time. He slid on black shades to conceal the joy in the corners of his eyes. Joe wore sleeveless under-armor and a wetsuit. It was rolled down to the waist with the arms tied in a loose knot at his lap. His body was radiating heat from the early morning dive. The window on his side was fogging up and he rolled it all the way down now. The day still had the greasy mist of marine layer, but Joe saw things as if through hawk's eyes, sharp and crisp delineations around each object. His mind turned the page to a fresh sheet of paper, clean, waiting for Joe to illustrate any wanton desire. The sun, adrenaline, and morning wood were all on the rise. Joe felt great. What a difference two days makes. Two days ago was shit. Saturday. I don't know why you don't just take a shotgun to this thing down by the rocks. Don't say that about Shaman. She's got to get us to shore. We've won three regattas this year on this boat. We live here. Why can't I get through one day without your mouth almighty? Hold the goddamn flashlight still. My mouth? You talk more than anybody I know. What are we doing here, Joe? Fixing the water pump holes. Joe was dripping sweat, tasting a sweet on his tongue from the antifreeze that sprayed all over. The schooner was 26 feet long. Ten years ago when Joe bought the used boat, it bore Saudi Arabian lettering on the back plate, reading in rich oxblood, Shaman. Now the name had faded to a tomato soup orange. Captain Joe was a tall man with broad shoulders and slender runner's legs. His face and head were clean-shaven except for the rectangular patch of brown beneath his bottom lip. His skin was burnished to a rose-gold permatan. I mean, how long are we going to keep doing this? With the boats and the cleaning and the living on this little-ass boat? How long are we going to keep doing this with the boats and the cleaning? Shit, April. I don't know what to tell you. This is me. You don't like it? Find some rich sugar daddy to rub your yayas on then. My yayas. Nice. What are you, nine? You're gonna have to call the harbor police to have us towed in. Nope. And have people in the harbor talking shit all week? I'll fix it. When, Joseph? When? When are you gonna fix this shit? I'm tired of all of this. Jesus Christ, do me a favor. Why don't you take that bottle of Sailor Jerry and smash it over my head? Please, you sound like my ex-wife. Thanks. Ex-wife, you really know how to make a girl feel like a princess. That's why you stay, don't you? 
I'm serious, baby. You don't have to keep doing this. You can get a real estate job, easy. You're tall, white, got most of your teeth. You could sell used cars, shit new cars if you wanted to. You know you ain't getting no younger. Oh, so tired of this larger than life coach shit. Who do you know that's getting younger, April? Stupid ass expression. And I'm not all brain smart like you. Fuck, I barely made it out of high school. And what about my clients? What about them, huh? Those rich assholes that try to get over every chance they get, they'll be fine. Do you see me worrying about my clients? No, because that shit is a business arrangement. Shit changes and businesses move on. I was doing just fine with my business before I met you. Wow, before you met me. And what? Finish your decree, Captain Joe. Do you really want to start this shit out here? Literally, no one will hear you scream. Boy, don't even play like that. April trained the beam on her face, snarling at him, chewing gum with the open mouth arrogance of a fighter pilot. Standing close to six feet, April Jenkins was the top earner as a personal trainer at the CrossFit gym in a Virginia flagship branch. In the inner circle of hardcore trainers, her nickname was Mama Black Mamba, MBM for short, and never when she was around. Joe knew threats made her mad. They made her think, and that kept her quiet. She was now formulating a defense against the white man who had a good 65 pounds on her. Two minutes later, Joe yanked the throttle cord and the engine started. Thank the sweet brown baby Jesus. We can move on. Good job, baby. I knew you would get it. As much as a sailor could love, so did Captain Joe for April. He loved the way goosebumps spread across her ass when she came. The way she flicked a bick with her index finger instead of thumb. Even the way her weave smelled when it needed to be done over. Why could she never try the soft, gentle approach, like some women do? More flies with honey and all? Run away from this one, Captain Joe, the sea was telling him. In his mind, he was jumping overboard, into the dark, quiet ocean. Joe revered the cold, calm sea, sacred and silent as death. In the morning, he would find his peace there. Sunday. Joe was underwater, standing upside down on the slick, off-white bottom of a 60-foot racing yacht named Alchemy. The hull was clean, but a cold swath of water enveloped him. All he had left was to scrape the props clean. Topside, on deck, the guests would be just arriving, in their gowns and smoking jackets, unaware of the submerged help walking opposite of their souls. The yacht's owner, Jurgen Mickelson, a scientist at Merrick Pharmaceuticals, is up there sipping champagne and muttering things to his hired captain about wind and barometric pressure. Spreading his arms, Joe felt upward, letting natural weightlessness bring him right side up. His head breached the surface and he took his mask off, inhaling the real air like it was warm homemade pie. CCR was bleeding into the morning, crooning about Proud Mary. White people. Everybody want to be a cowboy to the Comanches ride in. With a tug, he kicked himself onto the dock. He wrangled the hookah hose into wide loops and tied it off around the dolly and milk crate that held two air tanks and the few tools he needed. The paycheck that was clipped to the hand truck was wet and short. He thought about calling the old man and giving him a piece of his mind, but his phone was in the Jeep. Joe knew the machine would pick up and he would have to start angry but then end up asking for his money with some type of professionalism. That would then seem like begging for what was simply owed to him. He wanted to wring the man's tortoise-like neck.
In his head, April's Sunday sermon blared. The whole thing is that money means nothing to them, and they never see that it means everything to us. At his Jeep, the cherry on this cupcake of a day, a bright green ticket. Parking on a slope without turning the wheels inward. $59. Ugh, I hate this town. Since he'd paid for the rental of the parking space for the day, he figured he'd get his money's worth. Joe laid the passenger seat down flat, pulled his shades down, and went to sleep. By 7 p.m., he had his tanks filled and was back in the water, this time for recreation. He made a big scene, talking loud with other divers, telling them where he was from and how they'd do it on that side of town, all part of the plan. They swam left, and Joe went right, swimming over a mile against the current to the base of the bridge pylons. When he returned to his slip, April was there leaning on the car with her arms crossed and her lips tooted out. So you're just not going to call me all day? I was working, babe. Call you from how? Underwater? I've been up and down A-Doc to Z-Doc and no one's seen you all day. I've been cleaning alchemy down in the bay and the boats downtown. You want to see the check? Yep, sure do. Really? I guess I'll set these free then. He pulled a squirming lobster out of a netted bag and held it up. Oh, baby, for me? Nothing too good for my princess. She turned away, folding her arms, and looked down. What are you doing? Are you crying, April? Oh, come on, stop it, dummy. Don't call me a dummy, I'm not dumb. Okay, okay, listen. Maybe we could take Shaman up the coast to somewhere nice after I clean this last boat bottom in the morning. Sounds great. I'll pack my bag tonight and call off in the morning. In a deep kettle, April poured three warm Budweiser's as far as she was concerned, the only thing that beer was good for. Some old bay and a hodgepodge of other seasonings she found in the small boat's cupboards. She broke up a few ears of corn and threw them in too. A half dozen rum and cokes later, Sade was crooning, the boat was rocking, and all was right again. Sipping ginger ale, Joe stared at the sky, there with her as much as he could be, but his mind was on tomorrow. Monday. April's tiny SUV was running like a champ through the zombie early abandoned dark streets. The Chesapeake Bay Bridge was not that far from the water below, maybe 30 feet, but it was long as fuck. There had been construction on the entrance for the past month. The merging traffic lanes zippered up as it slowed to a single lane entrance. Afro-Cuban jazz played low inside the Garmin armored truck as the two guards waited to get through the construction zone. Sonia was inching forward, wrist resting on the wheel as she cut slices of pear with a penknife. Finally, she squeezed through the cones and sped off, hoping to make up time. Neil was in the back with the money bags, frowning, face officious and wary. Far off in the distance, Sonia spotted a construction worker. Absent-mindedly texting, he held up a pole with a slow sign on it. What is this shit now? They working in the middle of the bridge too? Sonia said. I'm gonna slow down and see what this guy's doing. Okay, cool, Neil replied. She pulled up slowly. The disinterested worker flipped the sign to the stop side. He was a big white guy, 40, clean-shaven and tanned. Hard hat, reflective vest, boots. Sonia stopped the truck. The guy raised his phone at her as if to take a photo. What is this guy doing? I don't know, man. You want to call it in? A deafening crack of thunder burst from the sky. The bridge shook. The world in the day all exploded into dust, then blankness. The slab of concrete and rebar hit the water flat with all the weight of the truck 
and sank together like an open sandwich of torn metal and rock. From the shoreline, witnesses would say later, This big-ass section of the bridge just dropped out, leaving like a stash of blue sky. Then the destruction worker dude just dove in to say the gods. Beneath the surface, Joe had to work fast. He breathed canned air, a small aerosol container with about 15 minutes of oxygen. He tugged off the construction clothes, slipped the diver's mask over his wetsuit hood, and cleared the water with a blast from his nostrils. Secured to the bridge pylon was his buoyancy control vest and a single tank. He donned the gear, stashed his air can, popped the mouthpiece in, and kicked toward the truck. The dust was still settling, and Neil was long gone, leaving the side door wide open. Joe's flashlight beam shone in on all that money, bags and bags of it, and his balls jumped up into his body. He swam inside and heard a dull tapping suppressed by water. Through the small window, Sonia was splashing around in the partially flooded cabin. She was still strapped in, working the thick nylon belting with the little Girl Scout knife. She banged on the window with the butt of her gun. Sonia saw the diver's intense eyes behind the mask and knew exactly what this was. Fuck this money, she mouthed. Showing him the gun, she took the clip out and tossed both parts aside. The cabin was filling up fast. Sonia unlatched the door and the black-clad figure slipped in. He pulled the dive knife from his shin strap and she began wild punching and clawing. Joe backed up and flashed her calm down hands. She got it. And Joe moved in cautious to cut the seatbelt. Sonia was cool for a bit until the cold water invaded her nostrils. Then she started swinging again. Joe blocked the flurry of blows, swam behind, yoked her around the neck, and ascended evenly to the surface. He pushed her half-limp body towards the confused Neil, threw a chakra sign, and submerged out of sight. Back at the truck, gathering his bags, Joe knew the guards would swim to shore and get police out there quick. Out of seven duffel bags and smaller items, he picked two, felt for the lumpy corners of bill stacks, and hauled them out. He tied them together with auto straps and checked his gauges. Running out of air from all the stress. Stay cool, Joe. He swam back to the pylon, got the handheld propulsion unit, and headed upstream. It was getting harder to breathe. Joe counted down the meters and checked his gauges. He took that last shallow breath of air and held it in. What now? Pursing his lips, he slowly exhaled the last breath. This was the end. It was all over. He'd fucked it up. Then he remembered the canned air. He dug it out, bit down on the mouthpiece, clearing water out the sides. Ah, cool oxygen. But for how much longer? Slowing his heart rate as he rose. Steadying kick and stroke. Calm down, Joe. Calm down. Finally, he emerged from the water on the rocky banks, where his dolly was chained to a bike rack. He took off the tank and BC vest, secured it and the bags to his rigging, and muscled the whole apparatus to April's car. Ducking in, he yanked off the mask, unzipped the wetsuit to the waist, and piled the gear and the cash in the back seat. Public Enemy was urging him to fight the power, and Joe rapped along with April's angry black power mix. Elvis was a hero the most, but he never meant shit to me. Straight up racist. Sucker was simple and plain. Motherfucker, yeah, John Wayne. Today's chant was hitting the pistons on all cylinders. Pulling into the parking space in front of his slip, 
the dock dogs barking. He felt that cellular high that comes from diving. He couldn't wait to drop into that oxygenated sleep that gives your dreams a blurry glisten and a hyper-realism. Shit, the soup's gonna have these seats all wet and I'm never gonna hear the end of it. Why is Rick's Mustang lights on? He was hot. He was cold. He was sweating. Fingers numb. Wait till I mush her face in this bag and she smells it. How was he gonna explain all this money? Joe asked himself, in the showers down by Sea Dock. But Chuck D's lyrics crept into his head. Elvis was a hero to most. Cause I'm black, I'm proud, I'm hyping, I'm amp, I'm ready. Most of my heroes don't appear on those damn. Gotta give us what we want. Gotta give us what we need. Fight the power. Fight the power. Joe preached this line on the walk down the docks, then again while climbing in bed with his woman. So you're just not gonna call me all day? With that thought, Joe awoke, still in the car, only dreaming about a shower. Joe opened his eyes and his hands were still on the wheel. Small burning teeth bit at his side, an aching cramp. Red brake lights captured rain on the windshield, refracted, twirled, and danced a promenade. Shit, I shouldn't have had that carnival carnita. Loosening the knotted arms at his waist, let warm water escape its folds. Joel peeled the thick suit down to wriggle out. Red water puddled at his feet. Touching his side above the pelvis, Joe felt the broken blade of the penknife sticking out. He looked over his shoulder at the lumpy nylon bales of cash. Turning back towards his boat, there was April. Sculptured frame moving fast behind dock gates. Bikini top and mini shorts. The Amazon woman paced, rattling the fencing, shaking the concrete runway, pounding toward the exit. Smile, Captain Joe. What woman could be mad when she sees all this cash? The Dark Liquor Experiments are the short stories of Brian Fleming. Sound designed by Earl Blaze. 